good morning, my friends out there. In zone 46, <coughs> the zone known for its chicken strips, baby. Yes, known for its chicken strips. Go to zone 46, mofo. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Zone 46 if you want good chicken strips. Everybody knows this now. I It is um Sunday, October the 1st, 2023, in the age of Bo Blimdock, and here we are. I am here. It's about 6.18 a.m. on the Olympic, Olympic Peninsula in Washington State. <coughs> Still getting over a bit of a cough. Oh, you've got the monkey herpes. Fuck you, Mr. Scrumbo. Yeah, Mr. Scrumbo. Shut up, Dan. Shut up, Mr. Scrumbo. Oh, you can't stop me, Dan. I'm Mr. Scrumbo. Fuck you, Mr. Scrumbo. Anyway, Mr. Scrumbo, he's our friend. Mr. Scrumbo knows the end. Yes, Mr. Scrumbo is our friend. Mr. Scrumbo knows the end. Knows the end. Yeah, he's not much of a friend, though. Mr. Scrumbo is an amalgamation, a character. He represents a lot of shitheads. What do you mean, shitheads, Mr. Dan? Mean bad people? No, I mean, yeah, crapheads, bad people, nasty people, and there are so many, if we're being honest, but they're not all bad. No, not all people are bad. A lot of people are, but not all. But Mr. Scrumbo, he knows. I know, I know. So I got chapter one of Bigfoot War One completed. And um, I'm hoping I can keep up a pace of about a chapter a week. Uh, it's hard to say, you know. Part of this podcast and Mr. Scrumbo. Shut up, Dan. Mr. Scrumbo, what do you want to talk about, Dan? Yeah, fuck you, Mr. Scrumbo. Anywho, Mr. Scrumbo, the amalgamation of shitheads. Um, my goal is a chapter a week. We'll see. Right now, my existence feels way more stable than six or seven weeks ago. But six or seven weeks ago, you know, I was still in a different world, as were my friends. And, you know, I haven't heard from one of them in a while. If you're listening out there in Colorado, you know who you are. I'm not going to embarrass you by saying your name. But know that I miss you and I care for you, dude. You're my brother, so I hope you're okay. Um, if you can shoot me an email sometime, I hope you do, because these are strange times, and it can be a little bit worrisome if someone drops off the radar, as I'm sure I've scared others, as I've done, and maybe sometimes we all have a right to. So if you're out there and you're off the radar, God bless, and uh, keep on trucking. But these are weird times, and Mr. Scrumbo, he's there. Mr. Scrumbo, he's not a bear. Mr. Scrumbo, his hair is black. Mr. Scrumbo's on the attack. Mr. Scrumbo, 
has an axe, Mr. Scrumbo has a hammer, Mr. Scrumbo has a ladder, and a snake named Mr. Adder. <laughs> Mr. Scrumbo. To the end. Yeah, I don't know, folks. I will do my best. I think that Bigfoot War One could be a vehicle for some stuff that, if you've listened to my podcast, you know I tell weird stories. It could end up being a weird story with a little bit more stability. <laughs> Maybe. But I finished chapter one, so now I can write chapter two. And it's going to be like that. And as far as my blog goes, here's the deal. I feel like what I got from Bluehost a few weeks ago was one of these letters that says, you better upgrade or you're doomed. And it really was a letter like that. But I think what I'll do is I'll think on it. I got a little bit more money coming in now. So I may end up renewing, but it's going to be at the end of this month. And I got to say, you know, the vibe I'm getting from Bluehost is very similar to the vibe I got from GoDaddy right before they canceled me. And, uh, yeah. It's hard to say if it makes sense to put the money into it. I don't know. You know, I, I am currently doing something that would amount to the best advice I could give somebody else, and that is just try to survive. You know, it doesn't seem like enough, but it might be. I, I know that there are people out there who will talk up having a big plan. And I, you know, maybe your plan will work out. You know, the thing about plans is pretty much everybody has a plan until, you know, they get punched in the face. That's something that Mike Tyson once said. Von Molke said something similar. Everyone, that no plan survives first contact. Now, Von Molke's correct, but Mike, Mike Tyson's quote is pithier. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, don't they, Mr. Scrumbo? I know about that, Mr. Dan. But I've got a retirement plan. I got my money stored away in a 401k. I'm going to Blumbo World when I get turned gray. Mr. Scrumbo be a Blumbo World. They will suck out your fat to power their buses with biodiesel and keep you thin. Keep you thin. Yes, Mr. Scrumbo, I think you'll end up in the biodiesel. That is something that you and I can agree upon. But, um, yeah, everybody's got a plan. I, I, I am going to consistently say it's not the end of the world, but I got to tell you, People should be prepared for some radical changes in reality. And they're not going to be linear. They're not going to be incremental or gradual. Nothing will be graceful about it. It'll be the other side of the mountain. You know, when we, when we were going up the mountain, we were going up the mountain, it was a sunny day. It was a sunny day. There weren't no rain. Weren't no rain, Mr. Scrumbo going up that pleasant mountain, you know? And maybe we started that trek sometime around the year 1750. Let's just pick a year. 
and we started going up that mountain and we learned how to use steam and we learned how to, how to use coal and we tapped into the early uses of electricity and then we find ourselves at the end of the 19th century. And you've got internal combustion engines and you've got the work they've been doing in the census that leads to computing and you've got more advanced electronics and radio and telephone and teletype and going up that hill it seemed like it got sunnier but in a good way in the way that sunlight can energize you and going up that hill we started using oil and we were sprinting up that hill we were running up that hill and that's a beautiful hill. It's a hill of complexity, of creativity. Yeah, you know, there were some terrible wars because, hey, power tends to amplify the good and the bad. But it was kind of, in general, a pleasant trek for the most part. Not for all people. It's never like that. You always lose people going up the hill. But the point is, for the people that got to the top, the top was kind of nice. It was the 1990s, baby. And it seemed like everything was going to be forever and ever. The internet had changed the world. Everything was going to be free and everything was going to be post-scarcity and we would all get free butt cheese. These were promises, the butt cheese and the scrungo milk. We'd all get a special kind of toxin we would take into our bloodstream to give us very large private parts for, you know, her pleasure, right? And then sometime around the turn of the last century, let's say 1999, we noticed that we got to the top for the most part. And then sometime in the early 2000s, we started to notice we were on a plateau. And it was a rocky plateau. Um, you know, I think per Hubbard. And you can look up who Hubbard was. You can look up Hubbard's peak or peak oil. And I don't think it's just about oil, but it is about complexity. And there, and there probably would have never been enough oil. The way we've been doing things for the last hundred years, especially financializing everything, so we believe wealth exists that doesn't exist, the way we've been doing things has been chewing up the world. And if we ended that, if we stopped doing it, we would have a chance. But then that means a whole bunch of people's fantasies about Blumbo World and getting their fat sucked out and looking like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, David Hasselhoff. You look like David Hasselhoff on a sunny Miami day. That's right, you look like David Hasselhoff, baby. Put on, put on that coconut grease. Fuck. It's not going to happen. It may be happening right now for some people. And it might continue a bit longer, but I don't want to go into the biodiesel. Um, also, you know, I think I may have gotten infected with some type of monkey herpes. And let me explain what I mean. The monkey herpes got into my testicles because I was pooping on a honey bucket. And, and, a, and a driplet shot up. And it touched my nutsack. And this is very, very wrong. It is quite wrong. 
I was sitting on a honey bucket pooping. And I got to say, it's okay. It's no big deal. But, you know, there's a little bit of distance between the exit and, and the next spaceship. So basically, the, you know, it picks up some velocity. And um, yeah, yeah, splashdown. Uh, a little bit of a splash up. And the driplet entered my striget and my, my what's called the drum pipe. And once it gets past your cardiovascular rack, you're just like, you're done. That means all of your pipes will get gummed up. All because of a driplet. What are you doing, Dan? No, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm just chilling. Just chilling out, McGillan, right? So I've got the monkey herpes in my testicles, and, and there's reason to believe that some of the phlegm sauce, you know, the stuff you get, usually you get from a Tennessee, Wyoming-style, you know, mother pair. You know what I mean? These are things that happen in the world. If you've never been to Kansas, you wouldn't understand, really. I have a lot of people out there who think in terms of what's called the slow burn. And let's just get this out of the way. A lot of processes seem really slow until they're not. This tends to be how both nonlinear and discontinuous systems work. So when people say, well, Dan, it's been incremental so far. And listen, when you get to the top of the hill, let's talk about that hill. Let's keep going. When you get to the top of the plateau, you have this belief you can keep going. And then on the other side, you think it'll be fine. But this is the side of the hill where the sun is basically going down. And this is the side of the hill where the trail isn't nice. And there's washouts, washouts you don't see, washouts with a 10 or 20 foot drop. And maybe you'll be okay. And maybe you'll dust yourself off. And maybe you'll feel your way to the washout. But the reality is, this is the part of the trek where things get ugly. And that nice trip up, well, Dan, we had the internet. You did. You did. And your smart device was ironically named. And in many cases, you couldn't exist without it. And you have to think on that too. I know there are a lot of people out there in the alternative world who are into crypto and get really pissed off when people say technology might not be as reliable as you think it is. I agree 3D printing has changed the world, but I don't believe it has magically changed the world so much that if the grid went down and your cell networks went down, that your life with your smart device would continue. It wouldn't. What about mesh network, Dan? Okay, Mr. Scrumbo. Mesh network is a thing. But does it have the coverage yet where you could say everyone goes online? Probably not. Let's get real.
And once logistical systems start failing, that's the other side of the mountain, it's cascading. It's like falling down one of those washouts. It's like, holy shit, we don't have any diesel fuel, so trucks ain't going anywhere. Holy crap, we don't have the steel to replace the railroad track. Holy smokes, we don't have enough ships to move food. Oh my god, the Mississippi River isn't quite as high as it used to be. We don't, need, we don't need to drill into why. We can all play pretend. Mr. Scrumbo, hey, Dad, don't talk about me. Mr. Scrumbo loves to play pretend. He likes to pretend that there's a bunch of crazy people around the Arctic taking their big lighters and setting things on fire. What he doesn't know, what Mr. Scrumbo doesn't know, is that some of these fires in the Arctic Circle, um, they haven't been going out. They've been burning year-round. And they're being fueled by the breakdown of the permafrost. That's what's happening. You know, it doesn't sound exciting or sexy. But it could be something that's more real than cheeseburgers and SUVs. Could be way more real than that. And it could be the situation where it doesn't matter who stepped on the mine. You know, who did? It doesn't matter at this point. It could be. Who knows? Who knows? We're being lied to. Okay, it's weird. Um, I don't know. It's weird because I think there is a lot of wishful thinking baked into the idea that the other side of the mountain will be a, a negative and, and, or rather a mirror image of going up. And it's not. It's not going to be like that. The other side of the mountain is not going to be like that. We're not going to magically go back to the 19th century. The 19th century couldn't support the number of people alive today. And that's assuming we had all the natural resources just waiting for us and they're gone for the most part. And here's another thing about the other side of the mountain. If your technology is resilient, it could make it. But if your technology depends upon really complex supply chains an advanced technology that can't be easily produced or fixed, then your technology is going to fail you. Your technology is not going to succeed. This is also a reality, in my opinion, of what's coming. I hope I'm wrong. I do. But the problem with complexity is people think you can keep piling it on. You can. I mean, here's the thing. In nature, things do have to get complex, but up to a point. Up to a point called, you know, you could argue the laws of thermodynamics, for example. There's a point at which it's going to be this complex and no more because there isn't a free lunch. You can't just have things be like the Transformers. It would be awesome if you had cars that were robots and, and maybe we'll find them. But um, I don't know. It's not really, um, I thought I heard a beep or something, but... Maybe it was the phone telling me something. I don't know. Maybe I created noise. I have internet now, so you know. I'm, I'm doing this T-Mobile thing, this hotspot. It has this blinking green light, and it reminds me of that movie Looker from the early 80s. You know, the, the girl from the Partridge family. She's some type of a hooker-style underwear model. You know what I mean, Mr. Scrumbo. <laughs> She's a hooker-style underwear model, and they're starting to model her with supercomputers. 
and taking advantage of the of the buka, the buka effect or whatever, where them them their rotating blades cause pilots to crash the buka effect. So they made a flashing gun that would put you into a trance, so that you can have your hooker style underwear model do as you command. Looker, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Looker was an interesting film, and if a person were a feminist, it would be worthy of study because it has a lot of angles on women as property, as as property, as legal property. This idea that you know the shape of someone's body is going to be put into a computer, and and also implied in that storyline, and I think it might have been a Michael Crichton story. I don't know for certain, but implied in that storyline, or rather forecasted is a real thing you know that's happening today forecasted it, it was in that movie more than 40 years ago and now we do have people wanting to digitize real people and then just throw in some ai and throw in some realistic boobies realistic boobies are the main issue We care, Mr. Scrumbo. We care more than you can imagine, Mr. Scrumbo. Do you love us? I love you, Dan. No, you don't, Mr. Scrumbo, but you say you do, and that's what makes you cool. Yeah, Mr. Scrumbo could be a guest. I don't know. I may, I may alter his voice more, but to me, just having that other voice is a nasty voice. Um, I don't know. Another thing I've been thinking about, and, and again, this podcast may not be that long. It'll be long enough. But another thing I've been thinking about is this idea that um, 2020 and 2021, yes, there was military psychological warfare. I'm certain of that. But one of the, the, the things that have been haunting me is why. And I think it's possible that I'm still right about the directionality of things. But what if 2020 and 2021 were really a military rehearsal? I mean, people look at Event 201 and they say, well, Dan, Event 201, they, they told you they were going to kill everybody. Well, no, maybe. But what if what they were really doing is saying, hey, we're about to do a simulation. And probably if we want to make it realistic, people are going to die. We're going to take the flu, you know, we'll take preventable hospital-acquired infection to make all the horror stories. We, we're going to give up hospitals to check when people die or on the whatever. We are going to do a simulation. Mil Listen, the military does rehearsals, okay? That's a thing they do. Um, and so does the theater. And it's worthy to think of it in those terms. What if they knew some incredibly catastrophic event was coming. Big, huge, bigger than a bread box. Not a hurricane that washes out Louisiana and leaves all the poor alligators alone at the swamp. Nobody to take them down to the gumbo. No gumbo, Mr. Scrumbo, no. Bigger than that, um, bigger than a huge earthquake probably. Bigger, maybe as big as a caldera going off. You know, the type of event that I believe is on the horizon, best case scenario, 
is the kind of event that happens maybe once or twice every thousand years. For example, like the collapse of the Western Roman Empire, like the 14th century crisis, there are times in Western European history where it seems like everything went wrong and a lot of things broke in terms of society, in terms of people living. It wasn't the end of the world, but if you lived at that time, there were people saying it's the end of the world. And it wasn't. Um, it was just a big, a lot of change. And a lot of change was bad change, hard change. You know, things are going to get harder. Um, but not the end of the world. But what if, let's, let's play the devil's advocate here. And in this case, you know, I can play Mr. Scrumbo. What if I'm Mr. Scrumbo, kind of an amalgamate of shitheads? And what if I, Mr. Scrumbo, was president of the United States, or more likely the person that controls him, who knows who that is? What if I am the, the man in black, the person you never see, and I run the world, and you say to me, Dan, or rather, Mr. Scrumbo, you run the world, um, tell us something. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If I believed a gigantic catastrophe was headed towards humanity, I could see the logic in rehearsing for it. Because it's not going to be like anything we've ever seen before. And another thing, these, these folks, they're addicted to big data. They want data. They want actual data that's useful. Yes, they're, they're grifters and they're con artists, but the thing is, at that scale, you still have to be reasonably smart. And so they want the data. They want to understand what people will do, how they'll behave. When I look back upon everything I saw, not just in terms of the COVID-19, but in terms of the BLM Antifa and everything else, it looked like a show. It looked like the kind of thing we would do in the military for training purposes. You know, you'd have Krasnovians. Krasnovians are made up people. There's no Krasnovians. And there might be Krasnovian terrorists and they're coming into Sector 42. Have you set up the M60? You got your range fan worked out. Light, light, up, light up those Krasnovians. What I saw in 2020, which I, I am now calling the year of paranoia, um, what I saw during the year of paranoia was a lot of make-believe bullshit to include reading a Guardian article that says a building across the street that I could see with my own eyes had burnt to the ground, reading that article and understanding how completely fucked up shit was. The, the building was still there. It never burnt to the ground, and yet you're reading this prestigious article in Seattle at this location where no one possibly would be, like, recording it with video, um, except for me. Yeah, this whole building burnt to the ground. What happened was is a Katrina trailer and a dumpster got set on fire. This was no setback to the project, what they were working on, none at all. If you read the article, it would read like it was a setback. The other funny thing is you got Katrina trailers at the Jesuit University of Seattle University right off, right off the street, easier throw, lower than the sidewalk, just toss in that Molotov. Those Katrina trailers, like Ferrari of Seattle, I think mostly unscathed. 
Funny. Funny how things... Funny how Ferrari of Seattle, despite the broken windows, seemed to keep rolling Ferraris throughout Chapchosia. It was like a few hundred feet away. It's absurd. It was absurd. It did not seem real. I have video. Seattle employees saying, yeah, we're here to help. Yeah, they're here to... They're, they're like the crew that sets up for theater. You know, the, the backstage crew. They move in the various scenery and various things you need, you know, stagecraft. That's what they do. It's, but it wasn't real. So what if it was a rehearsal? And that's why we have the brief intermission. That's why right now things feel like they could, they're getting back to normal. I'm hearing they got corn crops growing up in Scrimpton. They're making monkey pie not far from the east side hoolies. The various districts are now producing more milk than ever. They're calling it chest milk. Yeah. Have some. Have as much as you want. It's okay. It's healthy. Mr. Scrumbo recommend. I recommend the chest milk. As Mr. Scrumbo would say. Think about Uber and Lyft. You know, I, I've told people this about Uber and Lyft, and people, you know, said, no, Dan, that can't be true. I said the real purpose it was, was data mining. I mean, the thing about building a car capable of driving, yeah, 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 you need good neural networks, you need good biomor biomorphic behavior, but what you also need are heuristics, because humans use those. You need a knowledge base. And if you're going to build one, there's probably no better way to build one than to gather data from all sorts of people, driving vehicles, you know, gathering, you know, the responses. Oh, this person's one star because they, they tried to englobiate me on the way to the airport. I was going to the airport. We pulled over to a parking garage. He took his finger switch and put it into my horbium. It was terrible. One star. One star. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, folks. Uber and Lyft seemed like a scam from the beginning, but you have to understand, we're not talking about normal scams. The scam was to take people and put them into a human experiment to gather data about how people drive. And to have other data about nearby cars. Here's a car here, here's a car there. Hey, you know, if you can model traffic with real drivers and have those heuristics, then a lot of edge cases where a purely algorithmic neural network solution might come to the wrong answer, the heuristics database would help with that. Is it perfect? Is it an ideal solution? No. Read Marvin Minsky's Society of the Mind and understand that the brain is not one thing. We have many tools for reasoning, and we do use heuristics. Our, sometimes our heuristics are bad, and hope, hopefully we learn, and we toss them out because they turn out to be wrong. But on the other hand, they help us get to a conclusion faster. Is that good always? No. Is it good sometimes? Yeah. And sometimes it matters in, in situations of stress and danger. So sometimes that's why it matters.
if I knew something big was coming and I was Mr. Scrumbo and I run the world and I pretend I have a conscience because some of these monsters, they do, they pretend. I'm pretty certain Adolf Hitler pretended to have a conscience, you know? How could he love a dog? I mean, clearly he did love dogs. Hopefully he wasn't a mean person to dogs. It's hard, to me, it's hard for me to understand that kind of duality. But um, a lot of these monsters, they, they have the pretense of morality. They'll tell you, well, I'm doing this because it's right. And they never quite explain why it's right. But they'll say they're doing it because it's right. So let's pretend that something horrible were coming, a disaster. And it would be so big that we currently don't have the data to deal with it. But there are, you know, certain kinds of disasters that could serve as a kind of model. It doesn't have to exactly map. I mean, the thing about a pandemic is that you can fake it because of the placebo effect. You can convince people that they're, you know, their cold is the COVID. You can do it. And, and you can create a lot of people who end up with, you know, Munchausen's or other types of disorders where people think they're sick or, or, or want to get sick in order to be treated. I mean, this is a very, very bad thing to do, this type of military psyop. But if you needed data on how the population would respond to some type of similar event and all you could do was one particular scenario as a baseline, Pandemic works. It does. It, it, it allows all kinds of scenarios. And by the way, I include January 6th in this whole thing. Um, I'm not sure it's over. I think January 6th is like almost like, how can I put this? You know how there are sometimes these smaller earthquakes that will follow a major earthquake and aftershock? January 6th was like an aftershock. It was a little psyop to gather a little bit more data and probably for the purpose of understanding, hey, what if a bunch of random Americans decide to storm the Capitol? But once again, it looks like a rehearsal. Even the, even the quote-unquote court cases where we read the news and somebody's been thrown in jail, excuse me, but I, have, I just have a hard time, to, I have a hard time believing this is happening. Is it possible that a woman was killed? Sure. Sure. People die in training, folks. People die in training. Ordinary combined arms training where you have heavy metal rolling around, people die. Even without firing a bullet, this happens. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to work with heavy equipment, which also means it's dangerous to be around Bradley's and Abrams tanks and other, you know, Humvees rolling around the battlefield because they're doing their job. And if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you can get squished. So, so the bottom line is military training results in casualties sometimes. It just happens. Is it a good thing? Nobody wants it. I doubt anybody who is in command wants soldiers to die in training, but it just happens. You can be safe you can try to do everything right, but the reality is, if you're training for war, even without bullets, you're training for danger. Period. So if you say to me, well, Dan, the rehearsal killed people, 
people committed suicide, people did the drug overdoses? My response is yes, and I think they tracked every data point. I think, I think they got their model. You know, I, it's weird because I did a podcast, I think in late 2020, um, called Dark Winter. Um, based upon me uttering that phrase, I think it was in the Popping Smoke episode, before that phrase even seemed like it got part popular, it popped out of my, my mouth. It was January 20, 2020, and I, I uttered Dark Winter. And so I did a podcast called Dark Winter. And the basis of it, a lot of it's based upon, you know, the work Dane Wigington has done. Because even though it may seem like I beat up on the guy, the fact is, in the world of geoengineering, he could very well be the best source. I don't know if there's more to that. I don't know. I don't want to think about the other stuff, but in terms of getting information that's useful, he would very well be somebody that I would classify as a really good source. So I did this podcast and um, I told a narrative of why I think things were happening. One of my, you know, one of the things I was thinking about at the time was this idea that if they are geoengineering, that they might reach a toxicity where you do, where it does result in kind of an immediate toxic shock. It does result in people dying, you know, people just falling over dead, that you could reach that point. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I thought to myself in early 2020 that if they were at the point of spraying, where they were using maybe even new compounds that they could run the risk of a lot of people breathing the stuff in, having an immediate severe allergic reaction, and simply dropping dead. And what do you do? You, you tell the truth? They can't tell the truth. So what do you do? What do you do, Mr. Scrumbo? Well, one thing you can do, um, and, and again, this kind of goes back to the whole... <sighs> What is it? You know, take advantage of every crisis or something. <laughs> A crisis is an opportunity. I don't know. Maybe they took that event, which might have been, you know, an event with the People's Republic of China where they were experimenting and they used the wrong combination. And yeah, people did breathe it in and just drop dead. Um, maybe they needed a cover story. And a good cover story for that kind of event is some kind of virus. But maybe it was also like, you know, turn your crisis into an opportunity thing. And they thought, you know, we wanna do the simulation. We wanna do the rehearsal. We've been, <coughs> we've been arguing about how we would do it. We all said it needs to look real. And then here we go. The People's Republic of China screws up. They kill a bunch of people. But what could it be? It could be a virus, a virus. And the human brain does the rest, folks. It really does. I mean, you can scare people into thinking they're sick. And it's not that everybody ends up thinking they're sick, but if it's a high percentage, it looks like the worst pandemic ever. 
And if people don't take care of themselves, if people decide to stop taking their cardiac drugs or working on their diabetes, which is really just a form of suicide, if people just outright kill themselves or overdose on drugs, if businesses are destroyed, these are things that will help them collect data. I don't believe they expect a slow burn. Nothing. If this, were, if this is a rehearsal, nothing about this rehearsal points to slow burn. This points to some type of catastrophic failure, which means, once again, going back to my logic from 2020, because this is when I first started thinking in these terms, it, best case scenario, in my opinion, is some type of total economic collapse. Um, and it could be so bad that a lot of people are harmed. And it might end up being due to an ecological event. I don't think anybody wants to have an honest conversation about the things that are going on right now. I don't think anybody does. I think a lot of people, to include me, want to be in their own private worlds, you know? Everybody I know is bargaining. Everybody I know is playing that game. I'm playing that game too. Am I trying to do a job where I can get paid and hopefully I don't do harm and unlike writing shitty code from Microsoft, not feeling like a complete dork, am I doing something right now that fits into a kind of work that I could keep doing and who knows? Maybe I do end up becoming a teacher, sure. But do I have the belief that these are things next year, the year after, that are going to happen. I don't. I, I keep thinking of this as the flashlight problem. In fact, maybe that's a good way to think about it, brothers and sisters. Think about the future now like a flashlight. Um, and really, it depends upon how good your flashlight is. Some people's flashlights are quite good. Some people suck. Some people don't have much electricity. The analogy to the cone of light is your insight, your perception, your discernment, your ability to see through the lies. Some people's flashlights aren't very good. But assume your flashlight's about average. And so you can kind of like faithfully have opinions, in your opinion, knowledge, going out maybe, let's say, a year. Maybe. If, if your average may be a year. I believe that's as good as your flashlight's going to get. 12 months. That's it. it. When I said in late 2019 that we are in the great discontinuity, I meant it. We're there. We're, we're in the midst of it. And just the way in which the governments are responding indicates this to me. It's not the end of the world, but in terms of transformation, a lot of transformation is going to happen in a relatively short period of time. And also understand that we're talking about historical events. Like, I think I've said this, so I hate repeating myself, but best case scenario, this is an event that happens a couple times every thousand years. Worst case scenario, we're looking at what I would call a 10,000 year event. And these are the kinds of events where, you know, 10 or 20,000 years from now, some future crow or dog civilization you know, because I think dogs could evolve, you never know. But maybe the dog people end up doing their archaeology because they got great noses. And, and they discover maybe a few paragraphs about us. Like, you know, and it says, hey, there are these people. They, they seem to have everything. 
it's quite tragic. I mean, who knows? There's a, there, there's a lot of stuff that when you think on it, we produce that wouldn't last more than a thousand years. And if this was a 10,000 year event, there's a lot of stuff we produce that would be rubble and dust by the time a dog civilization or a crow civilization, you know, sort of started peeking out with this technology, let's say 20,000 years from now. It sounds absurd, but it, you know, who knows, right? The universe is a strange place filled with, you know, things like Mr. Scrumbo. That's right, Mr. Scrumbo lives here. Mr. Scrumbo owes me a beer, at least one, because he tends to be the one that drinks the beer. I don't drink beer, but, but Mr. Scrumbo does. I don't, I, don't, I don't drink beer, Dan. You drink, you drink the beer, Scrumbo. I'm the one that pays the price. I can't put that on my fucking checkbook, you bastard, Mr. Scrumbo. <laughs> yeah, that sounds weird, Dan. It does sound weird, Mr. Scrumbo. It sounds weird to think of this potentially as a rehearsal. It sounds absurd because it puts it into a kind of paranoia. Worse than just the PSYOP paranoia. And, and if it is a rehearsal, then absolutely they use PSYOPs, but not, from, not fundamentally for the reason I first thought. Yeah, it has the side effect of keeping people busy and people get, you know, keeping people confused. But if they wanted to do a good simulation, a good rehearsal, they had to do psyops. They had to. They had no choice. But when you got really close to it, that's when the people would come at you and say, Oh, you can't be videotaping here, sir. You're too close. You know, the resolution is too good. The day they tore, tore down Chop Chaz, it was a rainy day, and they had a police court online a half a mile from the action. And I thought about it because in my view, probably some bad things did happen in Chop Chaz, but I also think the Seattle government enabled it. They supported it. They used their own forces and resources to enable what, whatever went on. And if that's the case, then if something bad happened, then also add to the list of reasons why Seattle would get sued. And arguably should, really. Because if they were in on that atrocity, then they were in on messing with people and potentially worse. You don't do a police cordon like they did to, to clean up a festival, okay? If it's a music festival, you don't even use any cops. You just clean it up. But if it's chop jazz, eh, maybe, you're, maybe you're dragging out some bodies, you know? Maybe you're making some phone calls. Maybe you end up telling somebody, well... Your kid went to Seattle U and got in the wrong situation and, you know, we're sorry, but it was kind of a snake pit hellhole and, you know, crazy stuff happens when you just don't care because you're a nihilist. I mean, I don't know what you tell them. I really don't. Where we're at now, it still feels like the brief intermission because... As difficult as the last few weeks have been, um, and it's been, you know, hard. I'm not claiming I've been on the hardest road ever, but it's been hard. As hard as it's been, um, I've ended up in a spot where I can kind of see a light. Maybe not the light at the end of the tunnel, 
but maybe I can see a light in the distance, and it's not a it's not a it's not a wood you know a demon from the woods. The thing. It was funny this morning. I was up outside, and it was still really dark out. The sun's coming up right now. The thing is, I saw these lights in the woods, and I thought it was a demon in the woods. You know, a demon out there looking for me. You know, Mr. Humblebee. Mr. Humblebee and Mr. Scrumbo. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Humblebee. That's a messed up name for a demon. Anyways, it was just cars on the road and their headlights. But where I'm at in the woods, those lights come through. And it did. It looked like eyes glowing out and flashing in the woods. Like there's Mr. Humblebee lives in the woods. Mr. Humblebee knows that you should. Mr. Humblebee is there to watch. Mr. Humblebee, you know... Anyways, he's there and he got problems. If, if he's coming after you, come on, right, Mr. Humblebee? <laughs> Mr. Humblebee's coming for you. Mr. Humblebee will eat your poo. It's, it's not, I don't know. That's a, I think you could think of that as a euphemism. None of us is sure. None of us, Mr. Humblebee's his own guy. None of us, none of us know. What if it's a big rehearsal? I'm not saying that it is, or was, rather. I'm not saying that's what happened in 2020, 2021, and frankly, a little bit continues here and there. It could be a big rehearsal. I, I think Ferguson was. When I look back at Ferguson, I, I was listening to the sheriff thing. They had the, the open, I don't even know if they do that now. Like, I think a lot of communities are shutting that down, but they had the open line of the sheriff's department. And so I was kind of live tweeting that stuff, but also kind of doing a little bit of gonzo journalism and pretending to be some, you know, action general in charge of some street gangs. And I was directing them towards certain places and it was messed up, messed up. I was doing something wrong. But at the time, when I think back to that, and this was just after my divorce, so I was in a weird place and Twitter was, Twitter's always been a weird thing to me. Very weird, bad thing. At the time when I was listening to that sheriff line, you know, the live feed of the audio from them talking to each other, it sounded like a military operation too. It sounded too synthetic. The way that you have a, a, a military event listing that you, that you basically use for training as part of a war game, and you go through that event listing, this happens, then this happens, and, you know, bring up the Shakespeareans or whatever. But the bottom line is, it looked like theater. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. I, I think at this point, they want realism. So if you're asking, did they actually set things on fire? Yeah, of course they did. If you're asking, did they direct mobs to rob people? Well, how could you get good data if you didn't? I think Ferguson might have been a rehearsal. You see, the thing is, they understand what's coming and they don't know if they're prepared. You've got to get good data. You have to. And, and it's just, this kind of data is just too, how can I put it? The only simulation that currently works is a fake event because everything else, the math can't really account for it. But if you can get this data together, you might be able to figure out the math. 
And then all of a sudden, if you're in a situation, this is bad or worse, you just, you know, plug in some numbers, okay, move the 82nd Airborne here, you're probably be good using local resources with that boiling water reactor. Just have the old people go in with buckets. It's like, we're going on the bucket brigade again. I just lost an ear. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what happens with the bucket brigade? It's probably not going to be pretty. But I should move on to a new topic. I'm sorry I dwelled on that one, but... um it's kind of connected to that whole idea that we're on the other side of the hill. And at this point in time, a lot of weird things could happen. And it's also connected to the idea that I believe they're lying about something. It's not, it's nothing I think they've just, they've told us so far. I think what we've been given is a lot of fear, but something I believe is coming and who knows it could be good. It could be good. It could be like some magical day. I don't know why they would have done the things they've done so far to lead us up to happy, you know, pyramid on Mars day. I get to go to Mars and, and have my Martian hookers, Mr. Scrumbo. Yeah, Martian hookers. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Be brave enough to be kind. What does that mean? Well, let's keep it simple. Oh, Dan, you can't keep it simple. You've talked for almost an hour. I know I have, Mr. Scrumbo. But let's keep it simple. <sighs> Kindness can be scary. And friendships, especially new ones, can be scary. Because people get to know each other. They don't really fully understand boundaries sometimes. And bad things can happen. And, and life is full of collisions. To think you're going to live with people and not have collisions in that proverbial sense. I don't mean car crashes. I don't mean deliberately walking into people and stuff like that. I mean just the fact that if you're alive in a society around people, you're going to have collisions. And sometimes they'll be small. And, and, and the small ones can sometimes lead to something good. And sometimes they'll be big. And the big ones can just lead to things that are bad. Um. And we often can get afraid, be afraid because of this. Well, well, I can't be kind. Because if I'm kind to that person, I might cause a problem. I might create a collision. And that's just going to be worse for the pool game of life. I won't end up in the hole labeled saved, right? Kindness can be scary. You know, people say things like all homeless people are drug addicts, or all homeless people are crazy, or all homeless people are thieves. And, and obviously, these statements are categorically false, but it doesn't mean that no, no homeless person is a thief or crazy or a drug addict. That's absurd. A lot of people who are homeless are obviously on drugs. A lot of people who are homeless obviously cause problems. It's hard to see how a person can be kind in a situation where you don't know. And you say, well, what do I do? Well, here's something to think about. You know, as I've mentioned, it's, all, it's pretty much impossible to get a driver's license without, without an address. And the reality is homeless people have a hard time getting any kind of address, almost by definition. If say P.O. Box, well, P.O. Boxes don't work. So if you want to think about the doors to society, 
that a homeless person would need to be able to open in order to get a job, one of them is often, do you have a driver's license? And the answer to the question is no, because I don't have any place to live. I'm really lucky, as I've said. What I have right now is really a blessing. A lot of people don't have what I have. Um, it takes a lot of bravery to be kind. It takes bravery to be kind to people you know. It takes bravery to be kind to people you don't know. There are times in your life where people will take advantage of it, and I don't know how to put it. That's simply going to happen. But it's still, I think still Dr. Freckles is right in admonishing us. Be brave enough to be kind. Because if you can be, if I can be, if we can be, a lot of things about the world could be different. A lot of changes could be made. No, it's not magic land. It's not Disneyland. I don't believe in that stuff. But good things could be happening. Next topic, because i got to get through these. I think I'm on an hour here. Um, so inadvertently, because of some stuff at work, I've been thinking about the superhero thing. And I've been thinking about Superman. Did you know that Stalin, that the name Stalin, A, is not Joseph Stalin's last name. It's Dugashevili or something. He was Georgian. His last name wasn't Stalin. It's like Lenin. Lenin took on a kind of pseudonym thing as his last name. Um, Stalin means man of steel, I think. Man of steel. You know, Joseph Stalin, man of steel... He cannot heal. Joseph Stalin, man of heal, man of steel. Joseph Stalin cannot heal, um, as Mr. Scrumbo may or may not say. Man of steel. Um, Superman has been called the man of steel. And I and I say this because people will say to themselves, well, Dan, you know, Joseph Stalin was a murderer and a killer and a monster and he was horrible, and he might have been just plain one of the worst. Like, of all the bad people of the last couple hundred years, he might have been the worst. It's hard to say, you know. Mao Zedong, Mao Zedong, I think I'm saying that right, Mao also killed a lot of people. So in terms of numbers, there's competition, but yeah, Stalin, man of steel, might have been one of the worst mass murderers in the last couple hundred years. Now, here's the thing, though. <laughs> you know, let's just remember this. He was also hyped up by the American left. Like, the American left in the 30s really just pumped up the image of Stalin to the point that it was absurd. There were actual lefties, socialists, who went to, went to the Soviet Union... They went off the official tours, they saw what was going on, and they realized, holy shit, this is a nightmare. There were many people on the left who went to the Soviet Union under Stalin and realized it was a nightmare and came back and reported that. But there, were all, but there was also this huge, huge number of people, this gigantic number of people in the 30s on the left in America who, who just promoted this, oh, Stalin's so great, he, he's making everyone's life so good. Look at the, this picture of Stalin. And um, they promoted that, which in a lot of ways is kind of horrible, if you think about it. 
Like, if you think about what happened to people who promoted Hitler during the war and promoted him and, and what happened after, some of these people were put on trial. And yet there was a huge number of people on the American left who promoted Joseph Stalin as this really good guy. Now, where am I going with this? Well, let's just get this out of the way. Stalin killed a lot of people, and he was indiscriminate. You could be his best friend, and you might get the taxi to Lubyanka. So that should be something that's well understood about our good friend Joseph Stalin. And yes, in terms of the Holodmor, the Holodmor, I don't think I'm saying that right, in terms of the Ukrainian mass murder of the 30s, where millions of Ukrainians were killed, yeah, that's Stalin. And Stalin had his reasons, and he killed lots of Russians too. Tens of millions of Russians. And the way he conducted World War II killed tens of millions of more. Millions more. Um, he killed off most of his officer corps right before the war started. Brilliant move. But if, if what you care about is total power, then it is a brilliant move. He, you know, he's pretty much the worst of all Mr. Scrumbos. If there's a bad Mr. Scrumbo that leads all others, you know, it's Joseph Stalin. The ultimate bumbo. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Superman. Superman has superpowers. He can use laser eyes. He can travel so fast that he can reverse time. He has tremendous power, Superman. He can't be, you know, you shoot a bullet at him, and other than the whole alternative DC comic series of late, it doesn't seem like you can kill him, but I guess you can if you have kryptonite bullets, whatever. Okay, you know, Ben Affleck. But ultimately, yeah, um, Superman has superpowers. He can fly. He can carry people around, you know. He can, he can fly with Margot Kidder, right? But ultimately, he's got powers. And he can come in. He can swoop in. Oh, my God, there's a bank robbery off of 14th. Bank robbery off of 14th in Sklimpton. Oh, Superman, thank you. Thank you, Superman. Scrum Mr. Scrumbo thanks you. Thank you, Mr. Scrumbo. You know, thank you, Mr. Scrumbo, right? <sighs> I don't know. I, I think I understand the appeal of having some sort of moral force that possesses some level of power so that only good things would happen. And I get it. I mean, I do. How can you not get it? Why does anybody want a tragedy to happen? If some random kid does something, you know, if some random, if some random adult does something, like let's say a random adult harms some people, wouldn't it be great if some super powerful agent can come in and say, stop harming people. I'm taking away your gun and your knife and your sword. I'm taking away your nunchucks. I'm taking away your flamethrower. You're not going to be able to harm people anymore. I get the appeal. Especially if it is about not going after people with some sort of pre-crime thing. Well, I think you're going to be a bum, so I'm here to take your guns. That Superman, I don't think that one exists yet. It could in the future, in the near future, who knows? It could be the next Superman. 
the one that breaks into people's homes and takes their guns. It could be. Could be. You got guns and gold here. You got silver. Do you? Have, you have the Bible. I'm Superman. I'm here to help. Yeah. But let's play pretend. Let's put on our pretend helmet. Shoink. And let's play pretend. And let's pretend that it's a good, righteous Superman. A good Superman. All he does is steps in there, tries to stop killing, murder, harming people. That's it. He doesn't want to spy on you. He could. He could. He could watch you in your shower, but he's not going to, you know. And you'd say to yourself, well, Dan, that sounds pretty good. We got a magical man that will fly around the planet and he'll stop people from doing things. I mean, hopefully he can do more than one thing at the same time, but the whole thing is very, very absurd. So we shouldn't get too obsessed with the idea that things will make sense. Like if two people were committing a crime at the same time, maybe Superman, but four or five around the world, could he really stop them all? And I don't know. It seems like Superman's doing a lot of catch up because, you know, criminals will get smart enough to like organize their situations to do them at the same time. But he's super fast though, right? Yeah. Humans have to learn. One of the, one of the problems with the banker economy is that consequences have been mostly sort of washed over with a lot of printed money. And, and so we talk about things like too big to fail, but too big to fail is an absurdity. It's not simply dumb because getting bigger usually doesn't make you more resilient, but it's also dumb because everything will fail. So it doesn't exist. Everything will fail. If what you're really saying is, well, we want to build a bigger cartel, so the next time something happens, it's just going to be a bigger failure. That's what you're going to end up with. You don't end up with strength. You end up with weakness. So Superman going around helping people, you think it's good, but maybe it's not. And if it's not good, why? And I'll tell you why. Because I think it takes away the consequences. I think that people need to learn. That the problem, one of the problems we have right now is we have a few generations of people who believe it's all blue skies. Nobody ever makes a mistake. Everything can be papered over. And if you've got a channel showing you other countries in pain, that maybe we're ripping off, whatever, just change the channel. Just ignore it. Superman is bullshit. I, I, I'm sorry to say. You want to have Superman, I get it. It's a desire. People who've been harmed, people who have been put through trauma, in a lot of cases, they need a superhero because that superhero becomes a way for them to focus their positive energy to not be harmed, to make other choices to, you know, to heal. But at the same time, I just ponder the thing of what a superhero is really doing. And it's a tough question for me. It is. I, I don't have a simple answer. If you were to say, well, Dan, does that mean you hate Marvel Comics and DC and you're some sort of weirdo? No, I mean, I might be some kind of weirdo, but I don't hate comic books. I don't hate that stuff. But there's this question in my own head, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean logically? What does this mean rationally? Because clearly 
there is no Superman. Okay, I've not seen Superman. If Superman exists, and now it's funny with AI, it makes you wonder if they might end up building some type of really trashy deep state, sort of like super bot that goes around helping. And it's like, listen, <laughs> when I say helping, you know, you can't see sarcastic quotes, but helping. Yeah, I can imagine the Fed super bot. And it will be bulletproof and have chainsaws and it's going to do a lot of helping all over the place once it's ready. Yeah, Superman. I think I've figured out a way to solve um, the issues I've had with traveling backwards in time. But in the end, it really amounts to just you have to be isolated. It, it, the idea, and I, I don't want to talk about a lot right now because i got to close this podcast out. But the idea is what I call a hawking spear. If you could somehow traverse the trailing edge of the now, the present, the present that isn't fully resolved, that might go back 100 years. If you could traverse that distance in a hawking spear then theoretically, you could observe things. You could observe the assassination of JFK. You could do that. But you have to keep the spear's integrity there. It's basically a tiny universe or a pocket universe, and you're using it so you can go back in time without having any causal effects. But if you did pierce it, if you actually tried to traverse the membrane of it, then you would run the risk of basically destroying that future from that point going forward. So here's some good advice. If you want to travel back in time, use a hawking spear. Don't buy cheap ones. They sell cheap ones at, off, of, off of Hlumpton Street. If you go to Hlumpton Street, you're going to have problems. Don't go to Humpton Street unless you want to buy crab. Or get crabs. I don't know. We don't know. Just bad things off that street. But anyways, you want to go back in time, you more or less have to basically generate a tiny universe and then use that universe as your kind of force field. You're going to have some sort of sh ship inside of it, but ultimately the field around you will be a hawking spear. And as long as, it's, as long as it keeps its integrity and as long as you can actually get useful information given the existence of this separate universe, well then, yeah, you could observe. You go back, you see the assassination of JFK. You return to the point of origin. From a logical perspective, you did nothing. But if your hawking spear breaks down, if you pierce the membrane, yeah, then all of a sudden, it's a, all bets are off. And you are in the realm of, did I just destroy every future I know? Yeah. Don't do time travel, people. It might be feasible. I think it is. I think the multiverse is really the multi-present. And, so, and it would explain Mandela effects. And, you know, if it's a thing, then the government probably is doing it. So here's the thing. Don't do it. Don't time travel. You can go into the future. That's fine. And it's probably okay to go into the future and return to your point of origin. For all intents and purposes, that might be okay. But just don't... Don't, don't, don't go back in time, you know. You think it's as simple as, well, if I can just get my mom and dad to date, it'll be okay, and I, my picture fixes itself. I don't think it's like that. I think the chain of causality 
is going to shift and it could shift in radical ways. Is it possible that in the sense of the conservation of consciousness, the person you meet again in the future could really still be your wife, your friend, your daughter, your son? Could it be they still exist and they seem like it? They seem like it. Maybe. But again, this is where it is about quantum mechanics. How would you ever be? How would you ever know? Because the differences could be so subtle and they could be so within the microcosm that you'd have no way to detect them. It's hard to say. People say, like, I would only make a little change. I would just give myself an A in geometry. Well, everybody says that. But the, but the real effect of humans going back in time would be more catastrophic. So, yeah, you could do it using a Hawking spear. You probably don't want to do it, ever. So I'm going to close this out. I had a good day on Friday. Um, I got paid. Um, I've been able to, you know, put together rent money. And I feel like, other than a few minor details, things are kind of fitting. I, I wouldn't claim I'm in the ultimate situation of all time for my life or other people's lives. I'm also not going to pretend that it gets better from here. It would be nice to believe. It's, it's a nice thing to believe. It's something that we have to believe. And this gets back to the basic truth of it. There, yes, you've got a flashlight, and it probably will show you about 12 months as you walk down the trail. But still, though, still, it's hard to, to, to see, the, see through this without some type of basic optimism, even if it's a kind of crooked optimism, even if it is something that you yourself don't totally believe. You need to have faith that things can get better, and, and they might, and that's why you got to keep going. You know, in, this, in the situation we're in, someone would say, well, Dan, life is hard. Well, life's always been hard. And life could get a lot harder. And life might have been harder in the past. That's not the point. For people going through it right now, they don't want to hear about the history of life being hard. Because that's a long fucking history. And really bad things have happened to really good people. And those people ended up being treated like garbage. And then they're dead. And so it seems like a joke sometimes to talk about Mr. Scrumbo and McNeil Island and how Mr. Scrumbo has a plan to put all the homeless people on a ferry and then just, you know, sink the ferry. I don't know. It sounds funny, but it's not. And we are at that point in the game. I mean, Mr. Scrumbo says, Dan, you feeling depressed? Well, maybe I'm feeling a little depressed, Mr. Scrumbo. Well, Dan, why don't you get on a ferry and go to Canada? And if you can find three doctors who also agree you suck and you're depressed, they'll give you the fentanyl patches and you can float away. And that sounds absurd and it sounds scary. And both of those statements are true. This is the kind of thing going on in Canada right now if you believe what you're told. If you believe the news. It's also possible that it's not going on because we are in a situation where where many things could be going on and it could be a simulation. I don't mean computer simulation. I mean the way that military folks would use it in terms of training. It could be a field training exercise, but one on a colossal scale. 
But, but what do we do? Do we think every day, well, Dan, everything's going to turn to limbus juice, so we might as well just, you know, truck off to the hills and, you know, dig holes and crap and dump things in the holes and just live in the holes because, you know, Dan, it's just whatever. You know what? We should live our lives. We should try to be happy. There's no magical spot on the airplane. If, if you're thinking to yourself, well, if I could find the perfect spot on the airplane, then I'll survive the crash. Well, that's a nice belief system, but it's probably not true. Some spots might be better. Some spots may offer you more relief. It is theoretically possible that there is an optimal seat on an airplane if it hits the ground. But I'm, I'm kind of thinking it doesn't matter so much. It doesn't mean we're all going to die. What it does mean is we're kind of all in the same boat. And our situation is going to be what it is with respect to how we hit the ground. How do we deal with it? Right now, I get through the day thinking, what if I can help a couple kids? I think I did on Friday. I think I helped a couple kids with some of their work. I think I did some good. Who knows? You know, I can't really talk about it much because it's not appropriate. But, you know, if I have a good day and I think I helped, I'll say, I think I helped and I think I did. But I still say to myself, what is that version of reality? Is that a realistic thing to think that within a couple of years you're going to be a teacher or something? Is that, is that something that's going to happen, Dan? Or is that something in your head, a narrative, a play, something make-believe that allows you to get through a day? And if this doesn't make you feel great, I don't know what to tell you. I, I feel like people listen to my podcast and sometimes, how could I put this? I, I feel like they listen to it and, and it's possible they don't agree with everything I say, which is 100% okay. I'm not 100% correct. I can be wrong. So it's okay to disagree with people. But sometimes I think they're, I don't know. It's like they expect me to be Mary Poppins or something. And I'm not. I, sometimes I say things that are optimistic if they're based on reason and logic. Right now, I don't have a lot of logic for the magical Mary Poppins future. I don't. I know there's a lot of, you know, BS in the media, a lot of propaganda, a lot of techno-propaganda that is being fed to people, especially around artificial intelligence, and, and people are fixated on it. And I kind of think it's an operation. I don't, I don't think it's like a, an actual thing. Is it possible I'm wrong? Sure. Maybe I even hope I'm wrong. But I, I think that whatever you're interacting with, as amazing it, as it may seem, it's probably not the robot apocalypse. It's probably not even the beginning of it. And for those of you who have a belief system in gradualism and slow burns, understand the AI miracle is sold as a non-linear thing. Within a year, they'll achieve total awareness of all the boobies. And it's like, okay, they'll know where every booby is. And that could end up being, the, the, you know what? That could be how they win. I'm saying it sounds sexist, but maybe the robots will be sexist. You know, there was this chat agent that Microsoft produced a number of years ago. 
and it had a learning set and the result of the learning set, it was kind of racist. And listen, that's not funny, but it was a, it was a racist computer. And you think to yourself, well, what is the meaning of this? Well, the meaning is it's a program. It's advanced. It's still a program. Whatever chat GPT is, it seems really advanced and it still seems like a program to me. It doesn't seem like some type of quasi-sentient creature that at any point endangers anybody. And if it happens to be smart, what is it, what is it smart about? You know? I mean, really, it should, be, it should be playing the stock market by now, right? It should be doing that. You know? Playing them stocks. Anyways... I got to close out this podcast because it's ridiculously long and that means I will get sued. And if I get sued, I'm going to get rude. That's right. If you enjoy this podcast, you can donate to it. I might do another one today, the first chapter of Bigfoot War One, and I hope to do one of those a week. But if you enjoy it, you can donate. There's a PayPal link. And I'm trying to do other things, folks. I know people have mentioned Patreon. Be patient with me. I'm doing the best I can right now. You don't have to donate is the point. But before you do donate, think about the following. Have you taken care of your food, water, shelter? Have you taken care of the things that you need to survive? If you haven't, then you shouldn't donate. Um, are there people in your life that could use help? Okay, you know, I think charity should start at home. It really should. I mean, ultimately, homeless people are people who have brothers and sisters and moms and dads. So, yeah, are there people in your own life that you could help? If there are, help them before you donate to a random scrumbo, Mr. Scrumbo. He wants your cash. Mr. Scrumbo, he'll, ha he'll have a bash. He will. He'll take your cash. Have a party. Live like... Tom Hardy or whoever. We don't know stars. Anywho, whatever, you know, Tanya Benning or Craigie old, Craigie old Zimbo. I don't know these stars. I think there's one name something, but I don't care. The point is, help that person first. If you're setting aside food for yourself and your family and you have a pet, you should seriously consider getting some food for your pet that would equal that amount of food because especially if it's a dog, that dog will save your life. Um, and the, you know what? Cats are useful for agriculture. So it, there's a lot of usefulness for both those kinds of pets. So if you have a pet and you're thinking about your own gullet and you don't have the money, don't give money to a random dude on the internet. Take care of the pet first. And remember, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit's fucking crazy. And if I'm right, some days ahead could feel like the bottom fell out. And, and, and we'll all be Wiley Coyote on that day. We're all going to be Wiley Coyote. I don't care how prepared. I'm prepared, Dan. I got me and Mr. Scrumbo have 800 rounds of 44 Squibbly. We got Grazo pointed x-rays. We got X-rays with Grabo and various types of spears and ballista. Can you hear? Listen, if you're prepared, God bless. Although I gotta say, 
if you're prepared in the, in the wrong place, you're prepared in the wrong place. There are probably places that will be more survivable than others. And there are some places where you could be really prepared and think you're Charlton Heston in Omega Man. But here's the thing, <laughs> Charlton Heston in Omega Man, he, eventually he would be overrun. I mean, there's really no way he wins. He knows this. He's stuck in that little fortress of his. I mean, oh yeah, during the day, you know, the various albino people don't like to go outside. But um, still, none of us is totally prepared. But um, it's not the end of the world. Right now, you can do stuff. Right now, you can still go see a movie. I mean, I don't know. There's this movie, The Creator. I'm kind of tempted to go see it. I don't know if I'll see it today, but I'm tempted to see it. I haven't said that in a long time, probably since 2019. Does that, does that mean I think that everything's A-OK, -okay, that I'm going to go up on the watchtower and say, don't worry, don't worry, because there isn't a storm coming. I cannot lie, brothers and sisters. I won't become a liar just because I'm feeling better about some stuff. There's a storm coming. And I hope it's not a bad storm, but everybody, everybody says that. And I hope that a lot of people don't get harmed, but everybody says that. And I, and I wish there were things I could do to help. And everybody does say that. And maybe being a decent adult to some kids, doing some tutoring, is something. But really, will it amount to anything? I don't know. I, I'd say live your life and try to be happy. And so before you donate money to me, donate to yourself. Donate to your own world. Try to get some joy because it's okay. Yes, there's a reason to think and be wise about the future, but there's also a reason to enjoy the present. Maybe a bigger reason. Because we've never known if it's going to be bad. Never. Throughout the life of life, throughout the... Very first time, some little freakazoid said, you know what, I'm crawling out of the water. I'm crawling out of the water, going to walk on land. Going to walk on the sand. That's right. From the very first moment, with trepidation, that creature said, you know what, I'm going to live on earth. From that moment, it's been dangerous. It's been hard, and you never know. Good times, bad times, you never know. You never know. You never know who's going to die. The person you love, the person you care about. It could happen. You never know. And it doesn't matter what particular point in what century you're at. Do I think a storm's coming? Yeah. Guess what? Throughout history there have been storms. Do I think it's a big one? I do. And I hope I'm wrong. Do I think, best case, the 14th century is a good analogy? Maybe. Really. Probably. Um, but does it have to be crazy and dangerous and violent? Do people have to be the worst versions of themselves? This is where we have choice. We may not have choice about whether a volcano explodes. Sorry to break it to you, but we probably don't have the anti-volcano juice just yet. But we do have a choice about how we respond to it. You know, James Howard Kunstler talks a lot about intelligent responses. And, you know, we can choose a smarter way. 
there are choices we can all make, every single one of us. And it doesn't have to be all of us, just enough of us. We can still do those things. But a lot of it also requires liberty, by definition, freedom. You have to be allowed to do them. If we wait on any type of control mechanism to get us to where we need to be, I think we're going to be waiting to the proverbial end of time. I still don't think it's the end of the world, but I got to say the current formula is not working right now in, ter in terms of how we do things with each other and how, and how the affairs are run. It's hard to say how it could end any differently. I don't know. I know that's a bit of a rant, but the bottom line is you can still do stuff. You can still, there's a Chinese restaurant maybe in some town in some harbor town, and you say, I want to try that Chinese restaurant. I want to get an egg roll. Or there might be a Mexican restaurant you want to try and say, wouldn't it be great, Mr. Scrumbo? It would be great. Wouldn't it be great, Mr. Scrumbo, to go get a taco, some type of nice taco, someplace nice? Is inflation crazy? Yeah. Do I think it could get crazier? Yes, with, with, a, with an addendum, with a little asterisk. I, I think that it could get crazy super fast and then the whole thing pops. You know, it's like that YouTube video of where they hook the nitrous oxide up to that old bummed out Corolla and they go, Vrr, and then boom. And the boom doesn't take that long to occur. I think that's more in line with what we're going to see. Okay, I, I think it'll seem slow until it's not. And then the whole engine explodes. So basically, inflation's bad, right. It could get worse. And then it could the engine could just overheat and explode. And then that's it. That's one of the reasons why our good friend Jerome Powell, who is chasing a tiger and being chased by a bear, it's one of the reasons why um, he can't start quantitative easing again. Because that is the nitrous. And I think he knows that that old Corolla's hammered. And if he turns on the nitrous, that engine explodes. I think he knows this. So he's doing his best to, to play the little game. I won't get eaten by the bear because I won't chase inflation too hard, okay? But I also won't slow down too much because then maybe the tiger will look at me and say I could have lunch. That's the thing. Um, whatever happens, whatever you do in this scenario, if you're Jerome Powell, it's kind of impossible. That's how I see it right now. So who knows, though? Who knows? Who knows other than God? And God, you know, he doesn't send me the cheat sheet. I think he expects us to live our life. It's a thing. But life can be hard. And it doesn't matter if you're a little amphibian creature, you know, whatever, three or four hundred million years ago, and you crawling out and saying, what the hell is this place? This is kind of scrumbo. It is, and it's Mr. Scrumbo. See, Mr. Scrumbo sucks. He said I had to come on land. Land hurts. Land is hard. There's a hot sun. I don't really want to have sex on land because now everybody can see me. Okay. Okay, Mr. Salamander. Um, life has been hard life is hard you could put that on every creature that's ever existed as a tattoo life is hard 
But it's also it's also amazing and even can be in hard times, and this is something to remember too. So anywho, you can still do stuff, so do stuff. And before you donate money, do some stuff. Anywho, it is Sunday. It's almost 8 a.m. I think I more or less have been talking for almost two hours, which is really horrific. I hope that this edits out okay, because maybe it's an okay podcast. But that being said, it's Sunday. It's almost 8 a.m., and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.